is expecting you. Welcome to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book Three, Episode Twelve, The Western Air Temple. Today on my panel, I am joined by Corey. Greetings. And nobody else. But that's okay. We will have a good time on our own. So this is this is an episode. So why don't we just jump right in? I want to try something a little differently today. Um, typically, we start off with our initial thoughts and then move on to the episode. But as we're thoughts from Aunt Wu, I was thinking about this. Let's do something different and actually talk about quickly what we remember of this episode before we watched it, and then maybe how or if that perception changed at all with watching it a second time. We've definitely had these discussions before, but I want to formalize a little bit. So why don't you start us off? What, if anything, did you remember of this episode? And then we can talk about how it changed towards the end. Um, I didn't remember much when I started the episode. Um, and then it all came back to me and I remembered it all. Um, I remember liking this episode a lot more as a kid. And I definitely, I don't know, I don't think it aged. I'm very mixed on this episode. Um, I Again, it, it fell into the trap for me about it having, like, a little too much tongue-in-cheek humor. Like, and again, I like Avatar humor, but, like, I don't know where I draw the line. I'm, like, where becoming it's... me? Yeah, I guess so. It's just, like, I, the... Uh, we'll get into this with the episode discussion, but long story short, I enjoyed the episode more when I was younger, and it, like, it played me like a fiddle back then, because, like, you know, like, I watched a lot more TV between now and then, and, like, I'm used to the trope now of, like, oh, it was a misunderstanding, oh, why can't I communicate my feelings to them, like, oh, but by the end of the episode, it ends up working out. Just such a common trope in, like, drama, and, like, it's so artificial, and, well, the be fair with this episode too, it makes sense why they would not trust him and not want him on board. But then, like, they went a little too far with the whole uh, um, Top's feet getting burned. I thought that was silly. So um, it was a mixed bag episode for me that definitely did not age well for me. Wow. So this this is going to be a good one because I I could not disagree with you more. I genuinely love this episode. Um, for me, I remember this episode quite well. Um, this is actually one of the episodes I think I can, I kind of remembered pretty much everything that happened and, and kind of knew that going in. Um, and I don't think anything really changed too much. There's a few questions I have that maybe I didn't think about as much back in the day, but even then, um, for the most part, I think this is one of the more memorable episodes of Avatar being, you know, Zuko finally joins the group, something we've been kind of waiting for for quite a while. I, in terms of initial thoughts, I completely disagree. I think this episode is is utterly brilliant. I do agree with you in one very particular case towards the beginning, which we'll talk about. But I actually think the comedy here is works out really well. I think the comedic moments play very much into the characters and feel um, very well connected to the episode itself, and are not sort of comedy moments, endear, you know, important moments, and they're separated. I think that they actually work very well as a coherent thing. And this episode contains my favorite scene in the entire series, which is saying something, considering how great this show is. So I, I really enjoy this episode. I can't think, I can't think of the scene. Wow. Well, I guess we'll, we'll run into it when we come there, but I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get there. But there, there's, I don't know, there's a lot, a lot to love. So 
one nice thing is we do not have to break up between the gang and Zuko because, well, they're together now. So that's that's quite nice. Um, so the thing I was sort of referencing in the beginning, and, and we'll just kind of get right into it, is I the opening, the first couple of shots is are, I think, utterly brilliant. I love just the look of them walking towards nothing, you know, because the, the, the temple is under, you know, sort of underground a little bit, or at least under the on the cliffside, where it just feels so like, wow, these people are genuinely upset. But I do not like Sokka's line there, where he sort of has the... You know, he has to point out all the things that happened to them and, and how, and he sort of, oh, you're upset because the Fire Nation kicked our butt and we have to walk all the way to the, the temple. It's like, I kind of wish that they just had played it completely silently and we just got to watch the, the emotions play out rather than like kind of point it out in sort of a joking way. I think the silence would have would have been a lot stronger. Um, so in that case, I definitely agree with you that I, this bit of comedy really didn't play well for me. I agree with you, but I just want to counter that by saying when you finally get revealed the air temple, it's gorgeous. It's one of the best shots and reveals of like any Vista in Avatar so far. And I, again, that says something. I love the Western air temple so much. I love what it looks like. It, it's practical from how the airbenders use it. It's visually stunning. It's it's gorgeous. Yeah, I no, I, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, that, that, that shot is brilliant i mean that i'm just talking about that specific line from Sokka there before they get there i actually would have been okay if it was like totally silent until Toph had her we found it and then they were like what are you what are you talking about that that initial shot and reveal is is so it's so cool it it's it just so quintessentially avatar the the music cue there of, of the reveal is is so great and you know, it's it's one of those things. I mean, we talked a lot in the invasion, the front of the first time we're in the Fire Nation capital, at least the gang is in the Fire Nation capital, with like how cool some of the technology and some of the the building things. And now, kind of getting to see like kind of the polar opposite in terms of this is obviously a temple that's been there for hundreds, if not thousands, of years, but is you know so interesting and cool and makes total sense when you're talking about a culture that kind of can fly a little bit and, and, you know, has bison and those kind of things that you would come sort of, it would make sense that they would have this kind of thing that's very relatively difficult to like get to without flying. And that, that I think is really, really cool. It makes you think too, like how dangerous, dangerous is it to live in one of those air temples? Like, I feel like there's a lot of ways to get injured, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. Do you fly? Well, Oh, we're not talking about flying like I've broken my chains and I can fly now fly. We're talking about the way they fly, like on air glider. That's true. Yeah. What I'm what I'm saying though is, well, they can at least very easily brace their falls with air with air bending. I guess, but it's like very non-airbender friendly. I don't I disagree. I think it's very airbender friendly. Because I mean, no, no, no. I said non-airbender. No. Well, yes, but isn't that the point? I mean, non-airbenders don't go there. Sure. But um, I just I feel like like if someone has an off day or you, 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 I just feel like there's a lot that can go wrong. I don't and... think it's quite as bad as you think that it is because I think that like one of the things you do it's one of those things that looks from the sort of the initial shot like getting in and out is is clearly very hard. But it seems that like once you're in there, it is like very clearly 
like well built into the cliffside. I mean, multiple explosions go off and thing doesn't collapse. Right. It's not like it's not like it's that. It doesn't seem like it's that much more dangerous than say being in the Southern Air Temple where you're like on a mountainside. Do you think they uh, can have DUIs? Um, are you legal? Well, wait. Isn't Superman? Doesn't he choose not to fly while he's drunk? Yeah, but like Airbenders drink, right? They, yeah, they're... I'm sure, definitely. All right, so like, can you like get on a glider, have too many, and just like, you know? Yeah, I feel like that. But the odds of you killing other people are much lower. Therefore, it's probably not that. But bad. what about killing yourself? I'm yeah, telling you, I... no one cares about that. If you kill yourself, you, you know. I don't think it's quite. I don't think it's quite as easy as you'd think because they're not flying at that high a speed. Yeah, I guess. But again, Aang, so yeah, that Aang has crashed his glider multiple times and been fine. The the crescendo of that entire reveal was mm-hmm. phenomenal and definitely a highlight of this episode. And then you know Zuko has a similar flashback of when he was with Iroh, and mm-hmm. that's perfect. And Iroh's always perfect, and oh, I love. What's that? I'm gonna say it's just it's so. It's so great, like, seeing him with the bandage, knowing it's, like, right away. Sort of, I, I really like that you can feel the difference in their relationship at that point, that this is before they've spent all this time together. This is before, you know, Zuko truly understands that his his, his uncle is, you know, an actual father to him. And I think that that's, that that's really, like, there's something really powerful there that these two people were not always like this. I mean, obviously we know from from even earlier flashbacks that they've always had like a pretty good relationship, but you can just, there's even of the Zuko in book one, or even the, and then especially the Zuko's in books two and three, there is clearly a difference in the way he's sort of looking at Iroh with with a definitely younger, when he's he's younger and, and a little, doesn't have any experience with what's going on. And hearing that old arrogant tint in his voice from like that was a like, clearly season one Zuko to like how like more calm he is and when I say calm I mean like his voice and mannerisms are right now is good because he's like such a different character now than he was yeah. season one and you clearly that's season one Zuko that you see so it's a great and uh, seeing and seeing the old the pony you know the act the old ponytail and you know his old hair. And that's and that's something too I, I want to mention too. Avatar has been the last three four episodes has really been like rewarding you for paying attention the entire show. Like the show is just like exposition about everything that's ever happened in Avatar from season one. Every episode now, like the last two episodes for sure. I think the episode before that, like, and then now it plays into this episode with Zuko. Like all this them recounting all the bad things Zuko has done to them throughout the show, and like. It's just, it's been very, a good, this is such a good last season because it actually feels like it's like wrapping up the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do, they do a lot of really good work of seamlessly integrating reminders of how far we've come without hitting us over the head with it. I think sometimes shows that they come to a, to a final season and then they start to sort of, they start to do callbacks and kind of obvious things that are, are very that feel very out of place but this feels totally in place to these characters and to what's going on so we talked a lot last week and we had a whole argument about 
Aang at the end of the episode sort of finally taking on some level of, of leadership and kind of discussing like ha- did he did, had he final does he finally get it and I mean this pretty clearly says no right yeah he took three steps back this episode he's again like he's been very inconsistent now he's pretty much back to where he was he just wants to be left alone and you know explore like I feel like I feel like he regresses every time it has to do with airbending and like air temples and stuff like that. He yeah. just wants, and that actually makes sense too. So I'm not saying this is like a, an air and them writing or anything. It's just um, he's definitely every time he's around air bending, air temples, all of that, he regresses. Oh yeah, no, he oh, clearly. Yeah. I, I think it's a very important choice that the thing that the things he wants to do are kind of explore the temple and be be an airbender again. And that's, I think, really important. Um, I also think there's a really a nice... The way that they set up this episode with the fact that you have Haru, the Duke, and... Um, what's his name? What is what is the, the wheelchair kid's name? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Teo. Wow, that was bad. So the fact you have those three there, and you can tell that they're definitely not as mature, haven't been... aren't in the in the mindset of they are de facto world leaders at this point in a way that Sokka, Katara, and Toph genuinely understand. And, you know, I think that's important that that happens, that that they are sort of going to go off and do their own thing while the the sort of the leaders are going to sort of talk through. But, of course, right here, I mean, Aang has to be pulled in by Katara. And I, I really like the way... She specifically phrases it where she has the line where she says, you know, since you're the avatar, maybe you should be a part of it. Almost like, come on, dude, like you have to be a part of these conversations. Like there's there's almost a a note, not quite sarcasm, but like you you get that sense that the way she phrased that almost like has some exasperation. Like, come on, like, dang. Oh, well, I will note, too, and this maybe goes against what I said where he's taken up three steps back because it was actually pretty mature. The second she says it, he agrees. He was like, yeah, no, you're right. I feel like an earlier version of Aang would have fought her. But she, he immediately agrees with her. Yes, but you do even see in his face that he's, like, upset that he has to be here. And then the first words he has are, like, what's the new plan? And, you know, I am a little... Again, I'm not... This isn't... I'm not a flaw in the show at all, but I do think it's important that, like, even here, like, Aang obviously should be a part of this conversation, but shouldn't Aang be leading this conversation? Shouldn't Aang, like, Aang is literally sitting here basically being like, all right, who's got an idea now? And right. I think that that's, you know, that's telling that this is, that he's still not, he's still not there yet. Right. Um... No, I think you're really right that that being in an air temple again is a is sort of a kind of the worst place for him to be on some level. That it's because it's so comforting because it it makes him feel like home almost so much. He's almost he's able to regress, like just kind of go back to being an airbender, and like you know he can sort of just pretend he's not the avatar for a little while, and. You know that becomes easier when you're in, where with when you're in the thing that is the complete other half of your identity. Right. Um. 
So now we get uh, we get awkward Zuko, and I this I love. I love no. awkward Zuko. I, I think there's a couple of things that I think are really really great here. One, this speaks to something that I actually think is is done even quite even a little bit better in Korra, but it shows you the degree to which this war and the things that these people have had to go through has made them have incredibly poor interpersonal skills. Because how much time has Zuko spent around other people his own age as peers? Um, there was the beach episode. So since he's been home for like, I don't know, a month, two months? Right. What I'm saying is from Zuko from like 14 until now was on a military warship with his uncle and soldiers or wandering the Earth Kingdom as a outcast refugee. Zuko has spent such little... Like, Zuko doesn't clearly didn't have a normal childhood, obviously. But in the same way that, like, even in the beach, you can see that, like, Zuko doesn't have very good interpersonal skills. The way he, you know, his interactions with May are, like, really bad and really, really awkward. And I think that that makes a lot of sense for the things that these people have gone through. And I think sometimes shows will unfortunately have this this weird situation where characters will have, like, where often characters will have, like, really poor interpersonal skills, and there's, like, no reason why that happens other than it's there to create drama, it's there to create misunderstandings. And you kind of talked in your in your intro that you kind of, you see this as kind of into the trope of, like, oh, they don't understand each other, and there's a misunderstanding, but everything then works out in the end. And I think one of the reasons that that trope is very... Find, I, I can you often find it to be really problematic is because you have people who are on these who are often on shows like this who have perfectly fine interpersonal skills for everyone else except for like that one moment of the one misunderstanding that causes all of the drama. But if you look at it, Zuko, this is not a radical deviation from Zuko's character. This is what we've seen from Zuko for the entire time we've known him. No, I get it, uh, and it makes sense in the beginning, especially when they first had their argument, but I got annoyed with Toph, where, like, he was sleeping, and then she, he burned her feet. It was clearly a mistake. He was clearly startled, and then Toph just stormed out and didn't want anything to say with, do with him, and even Toph realized it when she made it back to them. Well, that, well it, that's, what, that's why I would push back on that, but I think well, as, we, as we get there, I, I will say his, his IRO impression is just... That, that oh, I, yeah, the Iron oh, one was good. Even Azula was good. Oh, no, it's just both like, are gold, but I love his like. Even when I'm speaking for him, I can't understand what he means. Like, there's, that it's just it's great. I love it. No, he. So the let, let me let me distinguish something. It makes sense why the character did it. The voice actor nailed it out of the park. My issue stems from the lines just not sounding good, and I can't explain it to you i just didn't like how it came across it felt immature azula specifically oh the the i'm gonna do unspeakable friend things to your friends yes all right i don't know i don't really agree 
Because I... Iroh, Iroh was fine, and, and as you said, that Iroh line was hysterical, actually. Um, it It's just, like, you know, and then this is another trope they do in Avatar, not all shows, literally just Avatar, it's where, like, they're doing the talking thing, but it's to, like, an animal. Like, usually it's Momo in that circumstance, but, like, I feel like that's a little overdone, too. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it was... I don't think they played it to be that we were supposed to think that that was a real conversation. Of course. But, like, I've seen that a lot before in Avatar already. Like, the right. having a conversation with myself, but it's really with an animal, and then... Maybe you know, like... I'm more sympathetic because I spend way too much time talking to myself when I'm alone. I'm literally, like, talking. I'm literally, like, arguing with myself. I, I wish they played it away from the awkward, funny, talking-to-themselves angle and played it more so for, like, he's completely worried that, like, I've been awful to them, like, and him having more guilt. I, I'm playing it more so from guilt. And, like, they kind of transition to that, especially when he first, they first denied him, and he's like, fine, take me prisoner, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think they did it enough. They didn't really, like, play it from the angle where, like, I was terrible, I have to repent, please let me repent. But I, yes, I, mean, I guess, but I kind of think that that's a kind of a choice on, on Zuko's part that he, especially going into this, is sort of, it's one of these things that's problematic because Zuko knows he has changed and knows that he is, like, even he says it, that, like, he's not that person anymore. And I think that there's this, this kind of functional difficulty for him here where I don't, I don't know if he has a good answer for why he was the way he was. And I think it might be why he has trouble being conciliatory that he doesn't really, he like, he knows he did things that were wrong and doesn't really have a good reason as to why. And on top of that, I think that he's in the initial thing where he's sort of planning out what he's going to say is sort of, running in his head like well do i just laugh it off as a joke do i like how do i do this and i think part of the point is that he's sort of playing out different things on top of that i don't know maybe it's just because i love this i think you know we there's a lot of quotables lines a lot of quotable zuko lines i think hello zuko here is an underrated amazing line uh I, and I disagree. I thought it came across as silly. All right, I mean, that's that's fair. I, I just I like it. I think it. I and think I, it I think I think that I think this isn't the episode for. This is supposed to be an episode where he like pretty much drops to his knees and is like, this entire show, this entire adventure since Angus have been awake, I've been not only a thorn in your side, but I've done awful, literally unforgivable things to you and they play it more so from the uh oh, whoa this is awkward you know like that type of angle and it went on for too long but like I that think, but i think on some level there's there's a point to that in that zuko knows fundamentally that ang is the type of person who wants to be friends with you know, with, with everybody. He wa even wants to be friends with Zuko. And I think that he's... 
kind of playing into that on some level. That he... I, I think that he's trying to go into this as saying you are looking for a... You want to be friends... Like, the, the prior is you would want to be friends with me. And on top of that, I also think... Zuko expects that this will be easier than it is because one, he has had moments with some of these people, Katara in the caves, the whole blue spirit thing with Aang, and the things his uncle has been trying to tell him forever, that I think that he wrongly thinks that if he shows up and throws himself at their, you know, and sort of confesses, you know, says that he wants to join them, that this is going to be relatively easy because all he knows of these people is that they are forgiving, that they are the good guys. And I think that on some level that's, a little bit of his hubris and misjudging of what's going on. Because I think importantly, with all of the things that have happened, you say like he knows he's done like unforgivable things. I don't quite get that sense. I think that he looks at it and says, what did I do? I tried to capture Ang and I failed. I don't think he looks at it in the same way because it's not like he was, you know, murdering their friends left and right. But, I mean, some of the things I mean, he tried. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying he, he doesn't. I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, it's like Zuko didn't do anything. Obviously, Zuko did. And obviously, he was completely wrong about this. I'm saying that for Zuko, I don't think he went into that initial confrontation with them realizing just how much he how much he has hurt them and how much he has to prove that he is beyond reproach at this point i don't think he understood that i i get the 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 episode had a one note tone for me Honestly, outside of the the Iro flashbacks and, and some of the other things, the the note was like I, I'm awkward. I, I'm gonna be like you know the whole awkward thing. This is gonna be an awkward situation. He goes. I think Team Avatar has the complete right to not only be angry at him but not trust him. But I think they were dialed up to eleven. Um, in some aspects, even being a little bit too harsh. And I know I'm, gonna, I'm jumping ahead right now, but uh, Katara's last line to him in the episode was like, "If you do anything, no, we're gonna, like we're, gonna, we're not gonna we're gonna have that discussion later because I, I wanna that's a that's an important discussion, but I wanna I wanna get there when we when we get there. All right, fine. But it was one note for me, and then he got rejected. He goes away, and then they went right back into like the old the other miscommunication with with um with Toph. And, like, he burned her feet by accident. She storms off. And by the time she makes it back to them, she knows that it was an accident. It's just like, it was a very one- Right there, you're saying, but but this is what I don't understand. So you're, 
So are you complaining that there was this misunderstanding that they couldn't get over and was unrealistic? Or are you complaining that the misunderstanding was resolved too fast? I don't I don't get it. I'm saying there were too many misunderstandings. I, I don't but I don't agree with that. That like the only like misunderstanding, and it wasn't even a misunderstanding. Everyone kind of knew exactly what happened was Zuko accidentally burns Toph's feet. And okay, but it's not as though Zuko accidentally burns Toph's feet and Toph is now, we can never trust him. He's the worst. He's awful. No, even Toph is like, eh, it was not really a big deal. Well, fine. But then, and this is something I would have liked in the episode more too, if Katara and Sokka were like, absolutely not, not, no way, whatever. I think Aang was too harsh in the beginning, too. I think Aang should have been leery, but I think he should have been more a voice of reason and a diplomat to it. Not automatically going to accept him, but Aang joined the 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 hatred party. And again, sure, you can see, view it as rightfully so, but I think Aang was a little too harsh to him, but too. But I... This is where I really disagree because I love that aspect of it because with Sokka and, and Katara, okay, we know who they are. That's like they've been through all this stuff with, 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 with Zuko. But for Aang, the person who we know, the most important thing we know of Aang is how much he wants to be friends. Like, he loves his friends and wants to be friends with everyone. And we know how much the fact that he can't be friends with Zuko really hurt him. Like that, I, I mean, you know, we spent a lot of time during Blue Spirit talking about how much I love that reveal for Aang and then Aang's lines about being friends and then, you know, leaving on, uh, on Zuko attacking and, and how much I wish that the last line of that series was, Aang, did you make any friends? No, I don't think that I did. I... I there's something to me so powerful of that because you know how much Aang wants to see the good in people. And for even him, even Aang to be like, Zuko, you're no, we can't trust you. You've done you've done too much. To me was really powerful and was like to me that that, that cut into like Zuko, you have just no idea how much you have you know harmed these people. I think that that was, to me, that was the power of this moment and of this episode was you have people who are on different levels. And then you have Toph, on the other hand, who won. And this goes back to something we had said before about how, like, the show is doing a really good job of kind of giving us reminders of how far we've come in that Toph does not have the baggage with Zuko that the rest of them do because Toph Join, by the time Toph joins the group, Zuko is not the primary antagonist anymore, like Azula is. So Toph doesn't have all of the things that happened in book one of, you know, why you should be incredibly, like, so worried about Zuko. And as a result, she can have a lot more, like, were this is what we should do. But I also like the juxtaposition of all that where Toph 
the earthbender, the stubborn, strong-willed, unchanging element, is the one who's saying, look, we have to forgive this guy. He's, this is what's going to work. He seems he's being genuine. He's clearly changed. Let's let him be. And the waterbender and water tribe, the ones who are supposed to be sort of on principle, flowing, ever-changing, adaptable, are too stubborn to look past the transgressions that Zuko has had. And I think that that's another example of showing to me the that this is not simple. That Zuko, like, I, I, I kind of get what you're saying. Because I, what it kind of sounds to me like what you're saying is Zuko joining their group is a really big deal. And it should have the emotional weight of a really big deal. Right? Yes. And that for you, you're saying that the what they went with was too funny and awkward and therefore didn't have the emotional enough emotional weight to be able to say Zuko the antagonist of this story has changed sides and it's not changed sides on a whim it's not oh they're friends now it's he is a part of the group and that you wanted more a deeper exploration into what that means exactly and more like repentance and like the way they went with repentance is like i listen i never was a fan of boomy boomy bang sparky, uh, explosions. sparky boom man sparky sparky boom man um and i think it's just like oh convenient how he chose a strike and how well, he was there and we'll he does about, that we'll talk about that in a second what i'm, I'm just gonna sort of just gonna give my counter to what you were just saying for me all of these all these things that I'm saying about the way characters are not acting out of character, but are at least acting contrary to a lot of the sort of internal priors you would have about those characters, for me, provided that emotional weight, provided the emotional importance and power of what was going on, as opposed, and it is subtle and some of it is subtext, and I can totally understand you saying you want that to be textual you want it to be right out in the open but for me i really did get how important this was from the choice to have it be katara and Sokka, and especially ang on the negative side and toff making the positive case i i agree with you that that dynamic of Toph being the voice of reason is good, especially with the, as we mentioned, the history and stuff. I just would have preferred to see a scene where he breaks down hysterical in front of them being like, I, you know, how, like, how, how I betrayed my uncle and betrayed myself and was tricked into thinking that the Fire Nation was this force for, almost like the speech he had with his dad, but doing it in front of them in a way that was so intense that they they had to listen to it like something where he just broke down and put all of his baggage out in front of them i i don't know i think that that i for me don't think that that would have hit as strong as as you do i think that part of the point of all of this is they need to come 
to trust him for their own reasons. And it cannot be that they feel sorry for him and that they feel, oh, it's not enough to understand that he's changed. I think it goes deeper than that. And we'll get to what that is because I there really is some stuff in there that I want to get into. But before I want to ask a question, because you brought this up, I've always wondered about this. Is it a coincidence or did Zuko actually get Sparky Sparky Boom Man there purposely? It's a coincidence. Entirely? What? Let me ask you this on just, let's say for argument's sake that it isn't. How would you feel about that? I would hate it. That Zuko specifically brought him there? Yes, I would absolutely hate it. Why? That would make the episode that would make an episode a, a two out of ten for me. I'm just I'm curious as to why. Uh, it's if he's there's so many reasons why. A it doesn't make sense. B, I don't think Sparky Sparky Boom Man would do that for him. And C well, I'm not saying he said Come here and let me beat you so I can look good. I'm saying he says, come here so I can tell you to stop and therefore they'll believe me. Then Zuko, Zuko is not really... Well, first off, Zuko is not like... That's something Azula would do, mm-hmm. if anything. So that's one reason if that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I might as well just end it there. That's something Azula would do. Okay. You agree? Um... I mean, yes, I agree that it is something Azula do, and I don't entirely believe that that happened. But I have always at least wondered if there is something going on there, because it is a little on the convenience side. That, I know, and that's another. And that I will I... agree is a little is a little weird, and I will also agree I don't love Zuko's dialogue at the top when he's when he's talking to him and maybe and maybe that's also why i'm like a little bit confused as to what is going on here because like zuko like he's like i'm ordering you to stop i won't pay you i'll pay you double I, it feel that feels a little off to me and i've always wondered if that's supposed to be sort of like is it because it's actually off and i'm just a little bit confused I'm going to be honest with you, I would take no action at all this entire episode over that. I would agree. I, I do think that this is the weakest part of the episode. I do like Boomerang. Yes, okay, cool. Anytime, anytime uh, he, he, can, he can shine off the Boomerang, it's nice. But, like, I just, I would have taken a deep intro, like, look inside of you episode where Zuko really has to introspectively like like throw his sins on the table and beg for forgiveness and and go into his internal strife and try to convince them that he's changed and have maybe you're right keep Toph in the position where she is where Toph sees it before the other team does and like that it'd be more of an emotional episode so, but so what you're saying what you would have wanted is instead of Toph instead of Zuko burning Toph's feet Toph goes there and they actually talk. And they actually have a conversation about... Yes. Okay. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I do agree. I think that the, that the stuff with Combustion Man is 
is the weakest part of this episode. I don't. And but, but and what, also no, I why well, funny? I think the weakest part was Toph getting her feet burned because what did that? That was like filler in the episode. It just padded it to like the twenty-two minute mark where it doesn't change anything. That's true. She was. That is she a, was only. Yeah. You know what fair. I mean? That is fair. That that doesn't really have much of a. It doesn't have an impact on the on the episode. So again, I, I'm I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, I think this episode is a lot more flawed than you give it credit for. Well, I haven't actually given it a rating yet, so I know, but like it seems like you made it seem like we're on the complete opposite sides of the totem pole. But I think we're I more. I don't disagree. I, I think that I think that we agree in principle on a lot of things. I think that I I'm a little bit more okay with some of the execution than you are. And I think that what it, I think what it really comes down to is I'm a little bit more, I read a little bit more into some of the subtext than you do on a lot of these things. And I think that's what it comes down to. And I don't think that's, that it doesn't make my interpretation like better. It's just, I think that there's a little bit, I read a little bit more into a lot of the stuff that's going on than I think you do. And you're asking for a little bit more of a textual pure textual stuff. And I do agree that the action in this episode is definitely the weakest part and it could have they could have replaced it with something a little bit more in line with the rest of the episode. Yeah. With that said, the reason I'm o- kind of okay with some of it is that I do and I guess the reason I'm a little bit more okay with the burning of the feet thing is I do think it's that I cuz I, I kind of agree with you as far. Actually, I'm going to disagree. I don't think it's filler. I think the purpose is incredibly specific about tying to Aang burning Katara. I think that that's what this is for. It's, I'm sorry, it's, it's for what? This is about Aang burning Katara. I, but it's not. And they, I know they, he mentioned the line where it's like, oh, sorry, firebending is so wild. And, and like, there was like, maybe a little bit of a callback, and Aang obviously said it, like, yeah, I, I know the first time I tried that firebending, I burned Katara. That's it. It was one line. And it wasn't... It is. However, one of the things that I think is, is really important about Aang becoming who he is is why is it that... Why is Zuko Aang's firebending teacher? What... Like... like for me, I think that it is really important for Aang to have Zuko, a contemporary of his, as his firebending teacher, as opposed to John John. Like John his, his other firebending teacher is, is John John. And in theory, Aang has had three old masters up Master Paku for water, Rumi for earth, John John for fire. All members of the White Lotus, in fact. However, his actual masters for each of those elements are Katara, Toph, and Zuko. And I think that that's important. I think the fact that he is learning from people who are much closer to him in age, much closer to him in, in, in world experience, plays into his ability to learn from them. That he has Aang, who is not the prototypical 
perfect bender. He's not Cora, who's just you know incredible, an incredibly skilled bender and could probably have become a master entirely on her own without anyone helping her. For Aang, because of like his teachers being friends first, I think is really important. I think that's fundamental to Aang's character. And I agree. On top of that, I think that Aang. I, I really think that Aang, the, one of the real ways Aang realizes that he has to, and has to, but is going to accept Zuko, is that line of Zuko saying, "I I, I understand that fire is dangerous, dangerous. I need to learn control." I think that's. I think that's the point. I think that that is Aang going, oh, actually, he gets it. And he doesn't get it because I told him. It's not that I said, no, Zuko, you can't be my firebending teacher. I need someone who's going to, who understands the, the dangers of fire. It's Zuko coming to that realization on his own. Now, you can argue, and I wouldn't entirely disagree, that it is a little convenient. It is a little like there could have been much more depth to that to the act of him burning someone that he cares about is in reality he doesn't really burn someone he cares about he doesn't really know Toph at this point however I think that it is it actually is really important to Aang coming to that acceptance I think you could have made it to that without physically doing the act of him burning her it could have been like more of like an emotional thing like you know like like, the way he snaps all the time. Like, even if, like, it was, like, a matter of him snapping back at them for not automatically accepting him, that could be, like, an example of, like, firebending even. Just, like, the person... I, I, again, it's just too overt. But I don't... I don't think it's actually all that... Like, that hasn't been Zuko for quite a long time. He has a temper still. He's and he's continuing, and, he, and he holds on to that temper the rest of the show, too. Yeah, they, maybe you're right. and, the, and they are very abrasive to each other during like the the training stuff too. At I, some point, yeah, but I'm not. I don't know. I, I think I don't know. It's weird because we used to be arguing like I used to before. I was saying like I like that these things are subtle and it's subtext, and now we've completely reversed. And I'm now going. I like that it's kind of overt that exactly like it's exact, and you're kind of like. It should be a little bit more subtle. It should be a little less overt. It's interesting that we're, like, flip-flopping a lot. It's just, like, this is such an important episode. This is the episode, as you said, changes everything and, and, and really brings you to the end game of the entire show and is probably the most important thing ever in the show is the fact that Zuko is now a part of Team Avatar. And I, I think it was done in such a paint-by-the-books way, which it, there's so much subtlety that was lost in it, and I, I feel like it, I, and again, I'm not, this is not an episode where when I do rate it, it's gonna be a bad rating, it's just I feel like there's some missed potential there that just wasn't there. Alright, so we, we have the last the last thing I want to talk about, but before that because I, I want to do all of the guitar stuff a little bit together, so we have the, the, the little flashback there with, with Iroh, and, and Iroh's uh, destiny is a funny thing. Um, line. Love it. Love it. Ah. It's amazing. It's so good. I love, I will always love double meaning Iroh lines where 
as much as he is saying that to Zuko, he is also saying that to himself because yeah, that's it. Just it's just great. All right. So finally, we have we have Katara, and for me, this is the best scene in the history of Avatar. And you're gonna disagree with me, and I don't care. And I'm gonna talk about how much I love this scene for a minute, and then we'll then we can debate it, and that's fine. First of all, I really like the way this even is set up before this with. Aang asking his friends, and, you know, tough, okay, we knew she was going to say yes. Sokka, whatever, no big deal. And then Katara, who kind of has this just, I'm going to go along with whatever you think is right. Like, there was something very cold and, and just so distant about that. I, no, I like it. That, that, that's fine. Absolutely loved it. Katara going after Aang. Now, I'm... I'm not sure if this is if this is my favorite scene between the two series. I like I do need to sort of really sit down and think about that, but this this is my favorite scene in 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 The Last Airbender and like I cannot watch it without just like complete goosebumps on my body. Like that is a 100% true statement. I am not embellishing at all. And I'm I just made a list of like the nine things about this that I love. So I'm going to go through those. Then I'll let Corey talk and then we can then we can debate them because I think I'm not I'm not entirely sure if you if you agree with me, so I will at least give you a chance to to say what you want. Right off the bat, I Katara's posture when she's going there, the, the, the pose that you have, it's it's just again, it's very antithetical to Katara. You can feel that this is that there's something going on here that is is not normal, that is different. The vocal quality that you get out of, I mean, just May Whitman's vocal performance throughout this is just so good. It's, I am genuinely terrified. Like she is, she has this, this, this terrifying quality to her voice that I, we've never seen out of guitar. I mean, we'll, we'll see that a little bit more in, in Southern Raiders, but like other than that, we've never seen this this guitar. I mean, we've seen angry guitar, we've seen upset guitar, but we've never seen like terrifying um and on top of that just like you can go with just a specific word i mean that's the level of like how i'm gonna break this down right now the way she just says the word transformation there's just like a disdain there like she it obviously she doesn't buy it but she just she says it was such like i don't believe this like i i, I can't even I fully describe what it is but like the way she says it is so it's so good um Again, like the way she words the whole thing, there's there's a force to it, there's a presence to it. It's it's immediate. It's not like even though she's talking about the future, even though she's talking about something that will happen, kind of an if then statement, there's a there's a presence to like you need to listen right now. Again, the the word choice here, I'm I'm just keying in on. The fact that she says, it's not that she says if you hurt it. It's not that if she says, if you go back, it's if you give me one reason to think that you might do that. There's a, again, the, the, the power there that it's not, it's not as simple as you have no chances. It's you have, you don't even have a chance there, like anything you do. If you even make me think that you're going to do something, I'm done. And that's a very big deal. Um... Again, like going going about him about like destiny and you know the 
the combination of like destiny is something you choose versus destiny is something that comes for you which i think is like one of the bigger like themes of this show in general like is is your fate predetermined is your fate something you can choose and the way she that kind of cuts it that at the very heart of that with this um the, the way she this, she's saying i'm going to kill you i mean that's literally what she is saying but i i like the word choice of i'll make sure your destiny ends right then and there there's something like again powerful about that it again you have no saying i'm going to kill you but doing it in such a way that like cuts at what she knows about zuko um and even just that word permanently that that's the the last is the last word in the entire episode again it's there's a finality to it that's that's great and finally the music blend here i it's really amazing how they blended together the hopeful zuko of the flashback like that 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 kind of bell ringing that kind of makes you feel okay this is kind of the zuko is changing music with a much more darker and ominous thing that are kind of pushing at each other which is again at the heart of what zuko is that zuko has always been as ira said evil and good are always at war inside him that is his legacy and to almost get that as music i i loved so i love this scene everything about it is perfect Corey, you're welcome to disagree or you're welcome to say, no, you're totally right. This is the greatest scene ever. I don't agree. I, I get, I just, I don't, Katara is not the one to threaten someone's life. And I don't think she means it. I, there's no way in hell she would, if, if let's pretend Zuko was 100% there to trick them and he goes to trick them, she'll fight him. She will incapacitate him, but there is no way in hell she's going to kill him. I don't agree at all. I think she would kill him, and I don't she, think there'd be a second She thought. had an existential crisis when she was forced to bloodbend. She is not a bad... Killing is a bad act. Aang won't kill. There's no, I just, there's no way Katara I, would ever kill. That's something... I don't agree. I do not agree. I, I think... Where, what evidence do you have that she would ever kill? One... You can say she had an existential crisis about bloodbending. She did bloodbend. She did do she was, it. She was for it. Well, she, uh, you, my point being that you're right, that Katara is not someone who would take the act of killing lightly. Totally in agreement here. That being said, your example was Katara wasn't, you know, Blood bend, she saw blending bending is wrong and said, I'm not going to do it. However, when push came to shove, when she thought, I have no choice in order to save my friends, she did it. And I think part of Katara is that, yes, she is a good person. Yes, she is someone who take, would take these kind of things incredibly seriously. With that said, I don't agree that she wouldn't be willing to go there. I think she looks at her job of protecting her family and 
Aang, Sokka, it's obviously Sokka, but Aang and Toph as well are her family. And she, I think, has shown that she will do whatever it takes to protect those that she loves, especially Aang. I, honest to God, do not think she has it in her to kill. I think that's a speech that could have been given by Sokka, and I think Sokka would have, but not Katara. I do not agree on any level. I th- while I agree that, yes, I think Sokka could have done it, I do not, this is not a Sokka speech. This is no, not- I, I, Sokka, I mean, Katara was hurt a lot more by him than... It's not just about being hurt. It's not, it's, it's more than that. It's, Sokka is not, is not issuing this type of a threat. I just don't, it's, no, he's not. And you can say... Katara doesn't have it in her. She comes pretty damn close. I... In Southern Raider, she comes pretty damn close to murdering someone in cold blood. This person—he I... is not a threat on any level. He is miles away from what he was. It would have been a pure revenge situation, and she comes. Within literal inches of ending his life. I don't think you can say she wouldn't do it. I mean, yes, in that moment she doesn't. And maybe you have an argument to, maybe you would have an argument if, would she actually be able to kind of pull the trigger? Maybe not, but be damn sure she'd put the gun to his head. Sure. That's not, and as I just stated, she wouldn't pull the trigger. She could, she will incapacitate him. She could have an icicle to his throat, but she will not slit his throat. I disagree. I really do. I really took from this scene that she would have done it. Maybe I I would go as far as he would, she would cripple him. She would break his ball. She would not end him permanently it was an empty threat i really think I'm sorry, and that's what it took this it took this I, 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 we don't know what uh uh zuko was thinking in that moment zuko we could only imply by his facial expressions and the episode ended abruptly after she said it but, but if zuko believed it then that was you know it was phenomenal obviously the, the voice acting delivery the the animation the the way it was delivered was 10 out of 10 but if Zuko thinks the way I think, it's an empty threat. It's like, I, what are you gonna do? Like, I'm sorry, I just I don't agree. And I mean, the thing we haven't brought up that I've been kind of loath to, but for me, this is one of the biggest reasons why I really do not agree with Zutara as a legitimate ship. And part of it is, I think, in this moment, I think it is incredibly clear, again, you don't agree, but I do. I think she would be, I think she is willing to kill Zuko. I really do. I completely buy it. And I think the reason that she's willing to kill Zuko is because she has realized that if he, at this point, they don't have they don't have any chances to play with. And if he were to betray them, that would be it for him. 
that that they're not that's it and i think that this is a recognition on her on her part that there this is you there the time for talk is over the time to mince words is over you're either on your side or you're or you're dead and part of that is because even though they're not together and even though we have a very annoying episode coming up in in Ember Island players with with what happens with the two of them they are moving in that direction as well and, and this is obviously goes a lot deeper than you know teenagers potentially entering into romance relate with each other but i do think it's important to at least bring it up that Katara loves Aang. Now, you can say for as much as you want that you don't buy it romantically, but you have to agree that Katara loves Aang. Well, yes, but I think they all love each other. Fine. <laughs> but you, you can say it's not romantic, but even without the romance, I, I think that Katara has shown that she will do whatever it takes for the people that she loves. And I think it's important. I think that that... This is I, maybe in the act of passion, yes. Like someone is about to kill Sokka or, or Aang, and she has to act quickly, and she has a flash of passion where she accidentally kills them to try to stop them and save them, like almost like the way the blood bending was like automatically activated. But if she has the ability not to, she's not going to. I, you're, I, I completely agree with everything you just said. I think that what makes this speech for me so important and so great is that it is a recognition on her part that if Zuko gives her one reason to think he's going back, they've reached that point. I I think it's a veiled threat, but and I, it, if it. It's not, and Zuko views it as not a veiled threat, and it's awesome. But I just, I can't and I, imagine... I, I mean, I can say this. I clearly think Zuko believes her. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any evidence that Zuko doesn't believe her. I, and, and then also, this dynamic isn't really played that much their time together, the rest of the show. Well, I agree, but that's kind of a feature of just the rest of the show. I mean... Keep in mind that the rest of the show is field trip, Zuko and um, an Aang field trip, then two-parter field trip of Zuko and Sokka, then Southern Raiders, Ember Island players, and then the finale. So there's not that much time for this to, to get played out. I know, but it would have been better if it did. <laughs> but what are, you, what are you hoping happens? You want... Zuko to almost betray Aang and, and Katara try and kills him? No, oh, absolutely not. Um, it's just, I never get that sense that there's any real animosity between them anymore. I, I don't, I don't agree. I, I think that Katara, I think Katara looks at Zuko and says, this is someone, let me go back for a second. One of the things about the whole about all this is that Katara, unlike all of them, had that moment in him with him in the cave. Between you know, where they where they share this moment of beginning to understand each other, beginning to realize that they're probably a lot more alike than they are different. And 
for me, the reason that I think that all of this become why it's so much harder for Katara to accept this is a lot of people look at it as, well, Katara thought he had changed and then he betrayed her even more. I actually don't think that that's as true. For me, I think that moment showed Katara that Zuko is struggling, has been struggling with his identity for an incredibly long time. And that, let's say, on some level, for Toph, even for Sokka, they look at Zuko as it was all on one side. He was 100% against them. And now, he's 100% for them. For Katara, I think that she kind of realized that Zuko was much closer to the middle on this. That he was teetering on the edge of both sides. And for her, she looks at that and saying, this is someone who can't make up his mind. This is someone who could, who came to the precipice and fell back into his old ways. And as a result, maybe right now, he is on our side. Maybe he does believe that he is has transformed. But as he as she says in this, you and I both know you've struggled with doing the right thing in the past. It's not that she thinks that he's some double agent. It's not that, that Katara's like, oh, we can't trust him because he's probably like lying to us right now. It's that He's not lying to us. He is on our side. However, this is someone who is not shown he can make up his mind. This is not someone who is shown he can stay consistently on a single side. And as a result, that is someone who's less trustworthy than than someone who was clear in their convictions. I agree. And I think that this... I, I understand why she would say something aggressive. Again, it's just when she says, I will end you permanently, it's, it's again, I, when I told you all this on Team Avatar's side towards him are brought up to 11, I mean it. it, it I, just, I, I think they're all, especially Katara at the end, are more aggressive than they normally would be. I, I, I just disagree. I, I disagree, and... I just believe her. I really do believe her that if Zuko if Zuko took a step backwards, Katara would have killed him. And you know, I don't obviously we do not know. We obviously are this is this is an open this is obviously open for interpretation. And at the end of the day, you are free to believe to believe it or not. And that's obviously up to up to you to decide whether or not you buy it. And I, I do think that that's kind of is the crux of this, that if you, if you buy this, which I do, I think this is a perfect scene. I think this is, this is as good as the show gets. I love I can, the scene. I can see what you're saying, that if you don't buy it, it's not quite as good. It feels maybe a little artificial, like it was turned up a little higher than it needed to be. And that's fair. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's, that is what it is, but... That being said, can we agree that regardless of whether you agree with it or not, it is good that this ended the episode right there and there's no yep. like 
yep. Team Avatar yep. jumping and doing a high five as the buff as the buffer, or like Ang and Sokka's this is really, really weird. Like that, like I feel like there's a world where that's the last line of this show, of this episode, and man, that would have been dumb. Yes. Okay. All right. So let's give our final thoughts and our ratings. This is probably going to be a week of us differing on our rating by quite a bit. So I'm intrigued here. So why don't you give your final thoughts and your rating? I like the episode. I think there was just a whiff of potential that wasn't realized. I, this is arguably the most important episode of the show, probably, or at the very least, what the implications are as a result of... It's probably top five. Yeah. Like, there's no... The, the most important arc in all of Avatar is Zuko's arc. There's not even a question about it. And him joining Team Avatar is the, the, uh, the climax of his arc. Um, so, it's just, this should have been played more straight as an arrow, and I think they leaned a little too much on circumstance, they, 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 they leaned a little too much on humor, um, even though, like, I did enjoy some of the jokes, and they, they leaned a little bit... So you agree that what this episode was missing was a scene where Felicity showed up? Yes. Good. I'm glad we agree. Absolutely. But, um... This is not by no means a bad episode. Um, every time Iroh is in a flashback and Iroh is used to tie together um, a plot point, it gets extra points for me. I, I love the Western Air Temple and what it looks like, and visually it's, it's just stunning, and the reveal of it was amazing. Even though I don't buy Katara's line at the end of the episode, it was delivered great, it ended the episode perfectly, and in fact, it ended the episode on the tone I wanted the entire episode to be on to begin with. If that makes any sense to you. A serious, straight-played, like, I, like, please let me join you. Please, like, this is what I've gone through. And at the end, it would have been, this line would have been even stronger if it was played on that backdrop of, like, it, like, and, you know, this also should have been a multi-part episode. I, I really don't think he should have been able to join in one episode, but that's a different discussion. But overall, I like the episode, and I I think I'm going to end it with... Um, this is going to sound worse than it is, but it's not. Again, this is against all of television. I'm still counting as above average. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to give it like a 6.8. And and it's not. It's a strong 6.8, and it's not... If, if you look strong, at it, it's not... Strong 6.8? Yeah, 6.8 sounds like failing, like a 68, or like if you see like an IGN rating of a 6.8 out of 10, that means it's a shit game. But like, I use... This isn't a game. Anyth anything know. over a 5 means anything it's a... Anything over a 6 is still good. I mean, you're, it's fine. Yeah, so anything over a 5 is above average of all of television. This was above average, but a lot of the tropes they used in this episode were average, but it's Avatar... So Avatar does average better than most. That's where my rating comes from. <laughs> that's that's fair. This, yes, this is going to be one where our ratings just differ by, by a fair number of points. I'm going to give you something here. If you looked in my notes, I put down a 9.9 .9 out of 10 initially because I love this episode. I've had a little bit more time to think. I don't think you're wrong 
I do think that there are some more flaws in this episode. Originally, what I was going to say was, this episode is perfect. The only reason I'm docking at a point is the very initial line from Sokka at the very start that was going to say, it's not perfect, there's one mistake. I'm going to give you some credit here, which I don't typically do, (laughs) and say you have convinced me that this is not quite as good as I thought. There are some things that I would agree could have been handled a little bit stronger. That being said, I do not agree with you. I do think that they handle the execution of Zuko joining them very, very well. I, I buy completely the seriousness and the gravity of what's going on. And I think that the way they do that is the juxtaposition of Katara and Toph. Really those two, and that tied together with Aang and the, all of the things we know about him and his view of friendship. And for me, that's what makes this episode, along with that final scene, that, look, I buy it, you don't. That's up for interpretation. That's fine. I think that scene is perfect. It is my favorite scene in Avatar. It will continue to be my favorite scene in Avatar. So I'm still going to give this episode an incredibly high rating. I'm going to give this a 9.3 out of 10, which is a full two and a half points higher than you, which is a pretty pretty massive difference. I'm not going to give it the 9.9. I'm not going to say this is close to perfect. Yes, there are some things here and there. However, this episode is is, is so unbelievably good for me, and I, I, I still just love it, and I'm not, not backing down from that. Hey, I said something nice about you. I hope you remember this. No, this was... This is... This is the best thing. You know what? The way we ended this episode is totally the complete opposite of what Katara said, but you just did it on the nice end of the spectrum. Oh, okay. All right. So thank you guys for, uh, for being uh, with us. We have, some, we have some field trips coming up, some, some life, life-changing field trips with Zuko. So nice run of those for four, four weeks. Yeah, four weeks of field trips. So look forward to that. And... Uh, after that, we're in the we're in the home stretch for the finale. So, thank you Corey for being here. Thank you guys for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next week.